I'm Mark Ramsey. I'm really pleased to have with me today Sean Carr, Matt Belknap, and Roddy Swearingen. They are Art 19. It's like an introduction to a boy band, isn't it, guys? <laughs> Art 19 is a really interesting new platform that aims to solve some problems faced by podcasters and people in the podcasting space. And in case the folks in radio and audio didn't know it, that's you guys. So uh, tell me, guys, um, let's begin at the beginning. What What is Art19? What problems is Art19 created to solve? Uh, this is Sean. I guess I'll take that question. We're a technology company, plain and simple. We're what we call a SaaS company or software as a service company. And we provide hosting, distribution, and ad serving tools to podcasters, largely podcasts that have achieved uh, a certain amount of scale that are beginning to monetize. Uh, because the the problems we're solving, I would say the two core problems we're solving right now are uh, dynamic insertion, which enables publishers to target advertising and refresh advertising across their catalog, as well as measurement by offering API-connected players and offering public APIs uh, with which our content partners can custom integrate their apps, their websites, to produce a much clearer picture about how their listeners are consuming their audio content, which is to say, uh, at minimum, where they started, stopped, skipped, etc., and what that in turn will offer them is the ability to sell impressions to advertisers rather than just downloads. Okay, you packed an awful lot into that answer, so I'm going to try and break it down a little bit. Um, it, it's certainly true that uh, the advertising space in uh, of podcasting has evolved uh, slower than the listening space, than the podcasting listening uh, consumption. Um, there are reasons for that. Can we talk about what those reasons are and how Art19 is trying to solve them? Sure. Shall I take that one again? Uh, there actually has been a lot of direct response buying in podcasting. In fact, the vast majority of advertising in podcasting, as I'm sure everyone notices, is from direct response buyers. And the reason is that they get terrific performance data. People punch in codes when they hear a DR ad in a podcast, and so the brand can see exactly how a, a buy is performing. Uh, which is important because the vast majority of listening that's currently happening in podcasting is not being measured. Just downloads are being measured. It's a limitation of the RSS format, which is the mechanism by which podcasts are delivered uh, to iTunes and most of the major consumer platforms. Uh, what Unfortunately, the lack of data about listening does is limit the uh, interest of major agencies or major brands in podcasting. I shouldn't say interest. They're actually all very interested in podcasting sure. as a medium. I think people generally appreciate now that it's highly engaged and that it's a fabulous media product uh, from the perspective of advertising. The problem is that the major agencies, the brands who don't get DR-level performance data really want to know that an ad they buy has been heard, not just downloaded. And I think particularly since they get that data in streaming, uh, mm -hmm. they're really looking to get it in podcasting as well. And until that kind of data, what we call listening telemetry, which is specifically data about when listeners started, stopped, and skipped, until they really get that data, until they can really buy impressions, there are going to be limits as to how much money they start spending spending in podcasting. And it's our hope that we can make podcasting as a medium a staple buy, not only in the DR world, but in the big brand agency world as well. And it's our thinking that 
uh, offering at minimum a statistical sample of what's happening uh, with podcast listening via API connected distribution will unlock those floodgates. Okay, so yeah, we all know that uh, direct response stuff is kind of the low hanging fruit of the advertising world, and you know brands want impressions and brands want uh, more advanced metrics. So what do we know and what don't we know today about listening to podcasts other than just downloads? And what will we know and what won't we know in the near future? Well, I mean, just like Sean said, the, the truth is with a download via RSS, you only know that it was downloaded. You don't know that it was listened to at all or, you know, never mind whether they heard the ad that's embedded in the middle of it. Right. But uh, in, in the near future, uh, you know, we can if, if someone's listening via, for example, via the R19 player, we can see uh, exactly when they listened and whether they got all the way through the the episode or not, whether they heard the ad and where they skipped. So, again, that's that's just uh, going to be a more valuable uh, piece of, of data than than what you get uh, from the majority of of, uh, of listening that's happening out going through RSS. And when will you have that kind of telemetry available? But now. You have that now. Uh, it's just a question of how, what percentage of a given those audiences listening via a player. So it's, uh, it, but it's going to take time, obviously, to convert uh, people from uh, using RSS to API connections. One of the things that we're really excited about is forging partnerships with um, third-party platforms, so that you know, uh, basically podcatchers, so that uh, if somebody is using, say, a Stitcher or a Google Play or TuneIn. Um, they, the listener wouldn't know the difference as to how they're actually connecting to the content, but um, if we forge a partnership with that platform, then we can uh, use an API connection instead of RSS and deliver that uh, listening telemetry back to the producer. By the way, we should also mention we don't do anything with this data. This data is for our customers, which is the you know the, the producers and. Uh, the ad reps who are, who are selling ads for those producers. So right now, most uh, statistically, most uh, podcast consumption is happening um, uh, through the the Apple Podcast app. Um, right. Do you anticipate in the near future you'll have that kind of integration with that platform to enable um, a stream of, of uh, this kind of data from that platform? <laughs> That's a very delicate question. I'm going to take that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Apple, as we all know, plays their cards very close to the vest when it comes to any future functionality. Uh, we also know that they don't like people telling them what they're going to do. Uh, so we're not going to sit here and pretend that we have any clue, really. But, but what we can say is that the podcast team at Apple uh, is very much uh, advocating for the podcasting industry as a whole. And I think they have heard the message that's coming from publishers across the ecosystem, not just our content partners, that listening telemetry will really be a game changer when it comes to increasing the revenue flowing into the space. And because listening telemetry is a step away, we think, from actual user data, uh, it's not asking them to tell us who's listening, who they are, demographic data, et cetera. It's simply asking them in an anonymous way to tell us how much of an episode is being listened to. Uh, we think because of, it's, it's less of a political hot potato that um, they may well in the future uh, try and offer something that, that offers uh, this data democratically to the whole industry. To be clear, it's not going to be just for us. If they choose to do this, it will be for everyone. Of course. Um, 
but I think they're hearing the message, and uh, and and I think that they want to support podcasting and appreciate that this is, uh, you know, this could be a very important step for the evolution of podcasting, and that having more money flow into the space will only encourage development of more terrific content. So um, again, I want to be very careful not to put any words in in their mouths, but I can say that um, they're they're listening and uh, we're hopeful. Well, uh, uh, let me put the words in their mouths, um, because I, certainly if I were them, I would think anything that uh, uh, enhances uh, interaction with my platform, either from a usage standpoint, a content standpoint, or even an advertising standpoint, helps my broader platform. It helps people buy iPhones, help them buy iPads, help them buy Apple computers, all the way down the line, I would think. So, yeah, I would uh, t tend to agree just logically that it would make sense for them to embrace... Um, the uh, information revolution as it uh, relates to podcasting for sure. So that's interesting to know. That's good. Um, talk to me about who some of your clients are and how they're working with you. Sure. Well, we've got a pretty broad spectrum of clients, both at the high end of, uh, of media as well as uh, grassroots podcasters. Um, probably our biggest uh, single customer was just announced. It's uh, Midroll and uh, specifically their owned and operated Earwolf network. Um, they're moving Earwolf to us. Uh, they're in the process of doing that. And Midroll has just announced that we're going to be their preferred hosting partner. Uh, but we're also working with and have been working for uh, pretty much our entire existence with a company called Digital Media, which was founded by Spencer Brown and David Landau, the former Dial Global team. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're doing a lot of really interesting things in the podcasting space as well. They're coming at it from more of a, a broadcast perspective, but they're working with uh, a lot of really great publishers, including uh, Recode, including Fox Sports, including Yahoo Sports, uh, the vertical podcasts uh, with, uh, with Woj um, in particular is that I think they're, um, they're, they're centerpiece in the vertical. Uh, and um, and so, but we're also working with uh, podcasters, largely comedy podcasters, coming out of LA uh, that are in Matt Belknap's circle. And Matt, why don't you? I can let you talk about them. Yeah, uh, I I come from the world of comedy podcasting, being the co-host and producer of Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo. I also produce Doug Loves Movies, um, which is uh, with Doug Benson, which is on our nineteen. Um, the one of the one of the bigger comedy networks outside of Earwolf that we're hosting is Feral Audio, which is uh, mm -hmm. home of mm -hmm. Dan Harmon's podcast, uh, Harmontown, among many others. Uh, Chelsea Peretti's on there. So, we, yeah, I mean, that was just the world that I live in, so that's who I started talking to when we were going out to uh, to see if anybody was interested in in using uh, uh, this service. Um, we should also mention Wondery. Um, I think Sean left that off. Wondery is the, a, a new podcast network started by Hernan Lopez, uh, who was the former CEO of Fox International. And uh, I'm really excited about the stuff they're doing. So we're really uh, happy to be working with them, too. Talk to me about people in the broadcast space. And uh, if you can't mention anyone by name, at least talk about the nature of your conversations and what people are looking to you for and how close you are to an announcement. Well, we're close to announcing a number of partners in the broadcast space. Uh, I, broadcast companies tend to have a fair amount of infrastructure in podcasting, in some cases, particularly if they're pull, pulling content off the air uh, to repurpose as a podcast. They're looking for uh, specific technical integrations that are usually quite complex. And they actually really like what we're doing because we, I'm going to get a bit technical here, but we've got very flexible APIs so that we don't require them to uh, integrate, we don't force them to integrate with our system 
system in a specific way. They can choose various features almost a la carte and have them function within their current infrastructure quite nicely. Um, so we are, uh, yes, close to announcing some significant uh, broadcast partners. And uh, I think what we're also seeing, which is quite nice from the broadcast world, is a recognition that podcasting is creatively a different medium. And that while some broadcast shows will translate quite well, uh, it's also important for them to start creating original content in this arena. And, uh, and some of them are indeed doing exactly that. Some folks, for example, like the NPRs of the world, the ESPNs, that's the, that's the kind of broadcaster you're talking about there, right? Yeah, but also, uh, you know, the big traditional radio companies as well, um, both uh, local and, and, and national. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, one of the things you guys told me previously was that um, one of the benefits of, of what you're doing with your platform is you're able to activate and monetize um, the archive, not just the new stuff. And there's value in that, too. You want to talk about that? Sure. Matt, why don't you take that? Well, uh, I feel like Roddy's being like, well, Roddy, why don't you take is. that one? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, you know, I come from the production side of things, having run Sideshow Network for the past few years, and that was one of the main reasons that we decided to bring our shows over to Art19 was the ease and the ability to, get, to go through the back catalog and mark uh, an embedded ad as a stale ad and potentially add in a new ad insertion point there so that we can take all of these, um, all of our archive content for some of these shows some of our shows we're doing over 50% in back catalog, and so the ability to um, ostensibly double your ad inventory instantly was a huge selling point, and we've seen real success in it. You know, I think it's worth noting that um, that in many cases, you know, in the radio space certainly, we think of our audio archive as old content, old stale content. But really, uh, in the podcasting space, there's no such thing as old content. There's only old ads. And right. your That's platform correct. is the solution to that because uh, all of a sudden you have a new ad on an old piece of content and it becomes monetizable and fresh from an advertising perspective. And, of course, you're giving the consumer whatever they want, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And, uh, you know, of course, there are genres where there's not much shelf life. Hard news, sports, for example, aren't right. ever going to be terrific library content. But uh, as Roddy was saying, comedy in particular is a great vertical. It's not uncommon at all for a comedy show to do more than 50% of its listening and back catalog. And we're also dealing with an increasing amount of scripted content, narrative content, content that really is timeless. And this, of course, also has exactly the same, uh, represents exactly the same opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting. Old comedy is still funny, unless, of course, it's it's Martin and Lewis, which uh, I draw the line there. Um, so, guys, um, you know, one of the main things I hear from people in the broadcast space is, you know, we'd go to all this effort, but we don't have enough scale. How much scale is enough scale to go through these steps to integrate with a platform like yours and really turn on the monetization spigot? Well, so first of all, I should also say that custom integration is not a requirement of our platform. It's an important feature for many high-end companies that have a lot of infrastructure in place. But the vast majority of our customers are using our solutions in a turnkey fashion. So there's not a con it's not complex to, to get started, to launch, to migrate, or anything. We just offer that flexibility mm -hmm. if you want it. When it comes to when it makes sense, I mean, we've tried to really price the platform in a scalable fashion. We're not, uh, to be clear, a consumer-level platform. We're really an enterprise product. 
product. And so right. we're more expensive than, you know, the $10 a month options out there. But uh, if your show is not doing terrific volume, it's obviously less expensive to use us than it is if your show is doing massive volume and we're incurring all sorts of what we call CDN charges for it mm -hmm. or distribution charges. Uh, but it really is up to the, the publisher. So, you know, there are large media companies right now that are launching brand new podcasts that have done no listening yet but want to do it on our platform because they get great analytics and they're going to use those tools for the purpose of selling their content or it's important for them to get those analytics also uh, from the perspective of just understanding their listenership and how well it's performing. So uh, there are shows that use us out of the gate. Uh, it tends to be companies that have some resources to do that. When it comes to more grassroots podcasters where they may not have the resources to use an enterprise platform, uh, we, they typically want to be at revenue or close to revenue before they want to start spending money on these enterprise tools because they're not going to be availing themselves of dynamic insertion. And whilst the analytics are really nice, they're not... Uh, critical to their early success. What they're really concentrating on is building an audience. So I would say that for big media companies where analytics are important and they've got some uh, resources, we're frankly uh, commonly used out of the gate. When it comes to grassroots podcasters, uh, it's more common that we're used when, they, when they're getting close to monetization. What's interesting about dynamic insertion to me as a podcaster is that there's a, there's a large middle class in, in podcasting where if you're just selling the um, downloads of your most recent episode or the average number of downloads an episode of your show gets, you may not have the scale to sell advertising. You might be seen as too small for an ad rep to bother with or, or a brand to bother with. But if you look at the number of downloads your entire catalog is getting in a given window of time, say a month, that might put you suddenly into the class of, of shows that uh, that could you know get the attention of of advertisers. So I think, in some ways, if you're in that weird limbo, like if you're if you're have if you haven't had luck selling ads thus far because your per episode numbers aren't huge, you might look at your monthly total archive, you know, your full catalog download numbers and say, well, wait a minute, th this number might be um, attractive to an advertiser and that might make the difference. So that might motivate you to, um, you know, spend a little more on our tools so that you can actually get to those buyers and, and find an ad rep to, to start taking your show out and selling. So, so really what you're saying is that, first of all, that it depends on, you know, that if you have the conversation with a potential customer, they can, they can talk to you about their needs and you guys can figure it out. But also yep. that you, you, we shouldn't assume that because the downloads we have for Show X this month are, I don't know, only X amount, uh, we need to recognize that when you aggregate those over several months, assuming, assuming that the content's evergreen, um, mm -hmm. that that counts as volume too. That counts as scale also, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is that the way that ad sales and podcasting has worked for, you know, the last few years is that they just, they project how many downloads one episode will get and that's what they're taking out and selling. But we with, with our tools, you can actually say, here's what the catalog gets and you can sell that and we can actually, you can sell the exact number of downloads because we can set it uh, so that, it, sh it shuts off once you hit that threshold, which is nice. You know, that's that's actually nicer for the buyer because they know they're not just rolling the dice. I'm like, well, we, you know, history has shown that this is this show gets this number of downloads. We will say, no, we'll we'll give you this number of downloads, however long it takes to hit that. And I mean, we're not saying that the ad rep is saying that, but basically, it's a more exact way of for them to buy, which I think would be attractive to them. Art19 is the new platform that is facilitating the business of podcasting. Oh, by the way, guys, I wanted to ask you, so you do stuff worldwide, right? Anybody anywhere in the world can work with you, right? 
Yes, absolutely. And in yep. fact, we're rolling out international tools on a pretty regular basis. Okay. R19, reinventing the business, or I guess inventing the business of podcasting, the business of podcasting. Sean Carr, Matt Belknap, Roddy Swearingen, three of the principals of Art19. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much.